So this year, there's this vision, there's this concept that the staff and the leaders of this church have really felt burdened about, and that is this. We don't want a church, a group of people who just go through the motions of their spiritual walk. We want you and every person that walks in here and every person, all 160,000 plus people in this county, in this area, to truly experience who God is personally in their lives. And so we've been going through this series talking about the habits of what a disciple is. And Michael's been leading us through that. And during this series, we've been mixing it up a little bit. We've been giving you some testimony and some, some interviews from people that sit beside you in the service because we want you to understand that there are people beside you right now who have learned how to walk through life personally knowing in an intimate love relationship with their Heavenly Father and Creator. And so this morning, we have Steve Slate. And we're going to share his story we're going to let you know his story, but we don't want you to know this story just so that you walk out of here going, wow, that was a neat or powerful story. We want you to see this morning, as we did a few weeks ago, how gracious and wonderful and loving and worthy of our lives our great and precious Heavenly Father is. So Steve, before we get too far deep into your story, and in the recent years what God's done in your life, let's, let's back up a little bit, and can you just share with everybody for a minute... Um, your first experience with church, your first impression of church, and, and what it taught you about who God was in your early life. Well, most of you know me pretty well. I've been here um, a long time. But uh, what you don't know about me is that I used to be a drug addict. Um, I was drugged to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday. If the doors were open, I was drugged to church. <laughs> All right. And so... You were a kid that your parents obviously made you go to church, and I get, I get the vibe that, uh, like, for a lot of us, and you might be a kid in the room going, like, yeah, me too, um, that that did have an effect on you. Um, and so what did that do for you and your view of who God was and your relationship with God? Well, I grew up in the Pentecostal Holiness uh, Church, and um, they, uh, they only have one rule, and the rule was no. Um, you, couldn't, you couldn't go to movies. You couldn't dance. You couldn't have fun with your friends. It was just one rule. So um, for, for me, it was more rules over relationship at that point. Okay, so rules over relationship. I remember when we talked in my office, that was one phrase that stuck with me. And I started sitting there thinking through that, because when I was a kid, I can remember those days where, like, you're getting up on a Sunday morning, and you'd rather watch cartoons, but your parents are making you go to church. And, and, and that's a tension that's always there, kids. But remember, your parents love you and want you to know God, especially my kids. Okay. Um, and so, understand, that's, that's not where we want to get hung up this morning, but, but if we move forward in this story a little bit, as life went on, you uh, met a lovely young lady, and y'all got married, you had some kids, and there was this time period where, as a family, y'all had to figure out who, how God was going to play a role in your life and church and all that stuff. So describe for us, during that, that early marriage, early kids period of your life, where, where were you at with going to church and, and your relationship with God? Okay. Uh, we had... Uh joined the um, Assembly of God Church over in Lexington and uh, enjoyed it, but there were just some things that took place that really affected my wife more than me. And she came to me about it and spoke to me about it, and uh, I just felt like it was time for us to, to move on to a, a different church. Unfortunately, by doing that, we actually stopped going to church for a while. And uh, 
when I would think about coming to church, Rich Fort Baptist Church would come to my mind. Now, I'd never been here before, but I did grow up across the street over there and would pass this church on the way to the Pentecostal Church in Thomasville. So one Sunday morning, I think my daughter was about three months old, I woke up and I said, honey, we, we have got to go to church. We've got to get in there, get back into God's Word. We've got to raise our kids the way they should be raised. And so that Sunday morning, we came to Rich Fork, and we've been here now for over 26 years. 26 years. Real quick, if you've been here less time than 26 years, hand up real quick. Hand up. It's okay. Yeah, it's a bunch of us, isn't it? All right. And I know from, from my experience of how I ended up here and from talking to a lot of people, there's a lot of us that experienced that type of church dynamic is we might have gone to church at one point in our lives, been very involved, and then something happened there, here, and for whatever reason, we've ended up in this chair this morning at this church. And so, so Steve, and I, I want, something else I want you to be, be clear you here, 26 years here, and the first 23 years, which we want to talk about, up until around 2013, 14, which we'll get to in a minute, that first time period Describe for me who you were as a father and as a husband with your family. Well, on the surface, I was a good father and a good husband, but behind the doors, that wasn't always the case. Um, I spoke harshly to my kids when it came to discipline them. Um, I didn't treat my wife as well as I should have. Um, and for, for me, looking back now, that was a pretty low point in my life. We were coming to church, we were going through the motions, we were doing the things that churchy people do, but there was just a kind of an emptiness in my heart. Uh, I knew that something had to change. So 23 years at this church, and you hear that phrase, there was an emptiness in my heart. And I want to give you a little perspective on those 23 years, because I was the youth pastor here for a while, for about 11 years. And both of his children came through my student ministry. And so as a pastor sitting in the lobby on a Sunday morning, I would see the Slate family come in. And I'd walk over and I'd shake hands with Steve. Hey, how you doing? And we'd smile and we'd do the whole game. And then I would see him here every Sunday. And if you want to describe for me somebody who was faithfully here every Sunday, they were on the top of the list. But you've got to understand this morning, it is still possible to on the surface go through all the motions and sit in this room and you still miss it. And just like you heard God moving in his life earlier when his daughter was a few months old and, got, and he woke up that morning and said, we got to get back in church. Around 2013, 2014, you had another moment where you felt spiritually pressed and you had a conversation with Michael. And this was 23 years after you've been, been attending Rich Force. So, so describe that for us. Well, I had known on my heart, I knew I had to change. I was just going through the motions of life and coming to church, going to work, coming to church, going to work. I knew something had to change. So I called Michael after he had spoke on uh, Every Man a Warrior uh, from the pulpit. And I called him and said, uh, Michael, I know that uh, classes have probably already started, but can I join? Can I come? And he said, yes. He said, call Adam North and he'll get you all hooked up. So... Um, I called Adam, and I said, uh, Adam, I'd like to, to come and, you know, see what Every Man of Warrior is all about. And he said, yeah, come on, come on, we got plenty of room. Well, they really didn't have room. <laughs> the classes were kind of filled up already. But Adam, being the man of God, would not say no to anyone. And actually, another class came out of that because six more men had came that Wednesday night than what was known to begin with. 
Awesome. And so you dive into this, this, uh, this material, this study, this, this tool that helps illuminate what Scripture teaches as the basics on what it means to be a disciple and how to have an intimate relationship with God. And tell me that, how that affected you in your areas of life once you went through this. Well, I'm kind of a nuts and bolts kind of a guy. If you show me how to do something, I can imitate it and do it. If you talk to me, teach me, I'm probably not going to get the, the gist of it. So Every Man a Warrior has given me the nuts and bolts on how to be a better husband, how to be a better father. And I'll give you a great example of that. In Every Man a Warrior, it teaches us there are three biblical principles on raising our children. The first lesson is, or biblical principle is, it is the father's God-given responsibility to train his children. Now, men, hear me clearly. It is our responsibility, not the wives. It's our responsibility to train our children. The second principle was children get their self-image from what they believe dad thinks about them. Not mom, dad. And the last is, The words spoken to a child will determine their destiny. So when you're speaking to your child harshly like I was, I was not speaking good things. And my children were rebelling against that. This Every Man of Warrior course has given me these principles, these nuts and bolts on how to influence my children today, which are 27 and 26, in a better way. Um, It's also taught me how to be a better husband to my wife. It's also taught me how to handle hardships. It's also taught me how to be a better employee to my employer because I realized from this course that I don't actually work for him. All the work that I do is for the Lord. And I just want to make sure you understand this. He's saying a lot of phrases that if you've been here 20 plus years, you know the phrases. But there's a catalyst within this. Because here's what I want to break it down and, 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 and a little bit further. How did your relationship with God change? My relationship with God grew tremendously. Over the last three years, the old Steve is gone, and he's not coming back. Uh, I like the new Steve a whole lot better. I have an actual relationship. You know, to have a relationship, it takes two. It takes you and the other person. I have a relationship with uh, Matt here, and he and I communicate some, but... The old Steve occasionally would pray, occasionally would read his Bible, but there was no relationship with God. Now, daily, I talk to my father. Daily, I'm in the Scripture. I'm having quiet times. I'm meditating on his Word. I'm waiting for him to reveal to me what he wants me to learn that day. So it has changed my life from occasionally opening my book or saying a prayer to daily having that relationship and that walk with him. Awesome. And that's, that's one thing we want to make sure you hear, okay? So I'm going to give you like the pastor disclaimer on this, and then we're going to move on with the story a little bit, because here's the deal. When I saw, after he was done with this and had, had gone through it, when I saw his family walk in the lobby on a Sunday morning, I could feel the difference. And you know what I'm talking about. You've seen moments where people walk in, and all of a sudden you go, something's different about you. And I can't put my finger on it, but I could feel the difference because of the level of focus that he had on his relationship with God, but then affected his family. 
And that's what we want you to understand. It starts with your relationship with God becoming something that's very real. And here's going to be the temptation for each of us in this room, because a lot of us, we've been here the last three years, you've heard this phrase, every man a warrior, and now you're hearing cultivating holy beauty. And if you've been in church forever, I'm going to be honest, you're going to be just like me. You're going to be like, okay, I've thumbed through this book. I've seen all these words before. Uh, I, I don't really get this. But here's the reality. You should always be willing and submissive to God leading you to focus on the basics of your relationship with Him. And that's what this teaches. And that's what changed Steve and his family's life. But our story's not done yet. Because you really got to understand the impact this has had on their life and what God is doing in his life. So Steve, let's go to summer of last year. Around July, you got some great news that I think you should share with everybody. We, uh, my daughter came to our house, and she told us that we were getting ready to have our first grandchild. So I was very excited to hear that. Uh, my wife and I, they've been married about uh, a little over a year or so, and, you know, we were expecting it to be a little bit longer, but, boy, we got that news. It was awesome news. Awesome. That's amazing. So now you have this newfound relationship with God, this depth, and there's this temptation to look back and go, well, and you said this in the office over there. Well, if I would have known this 20 years ago, but now he's getting ready to, he's affected his children. He's getting ready to pour it out the next generation. But then something happens because about a month later, there's another doctor's visit with Sarah. So, so tell us about that. In September, uh, she had felt a bre- uh, lump in her breast and she went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, it's, it's probably nothing. It's probably just a cyst. Don't worry about it. A lot of pregnant women will get that. And my daughter is very in tune with her body. And she told the doctor, she said, no, I'd like to, to get tested to see if there's cancer there or not. So um, the doctor called, and, and someone had just canceled, and they were able to get her into the doctor's, into the uh, cancer place within a week, which is almost unheard of. So they, they ran the test, and unfortunately it came back that she had triple negative breast cancer which if you don't know what that means, it's just fancy words to say it's an extremely aggressive cancer. Um, It could take her life had she not moved on it as quickly as she did. She caught it early, and when she had her surgery, they found two of the three lymph nodes they had pulled out, they found cancer in it. They took out the other 14 of them, and none of those had cancer in it. Awesome. Yeah, so you get this weighty moment. And I remember, you know, talking with you and and Jenny a little bit, and I remember right at the beginning of this, like those first few doctor's visits, like it was just bad news after bad news after bad news. And when we were talking in the office, you told me that there was this one day, and the words you kind of used were, man, this was a bad day, a dark day. So tell us what was going on with you emotionally on that day. Well, this was probably a week or so after we had discovered that she had the breast cancer. And I'd kind of held it together because um, I knew that's what I was supposed to do. You know, as a dad, I need to be supportive and I need to be supportive to my wife. But it was a Monday. And for me, that was a very bad day, a very dark day. Um, I allowed Satan to get in just a little bit of crack there and start having me question God. God, how does a 26-year-old extremely healthy young woman who is pregnant 
with no history on either side of our family, how does she end up with breast cancer? And that just gnawed on me all day long. Why? Why would you allow this to happen? And going through the day and, and praying and talking and questioning and just depressed and down, I heard a clear voice in my head say, Steve, she is not yours. She's mine. I've just allowed you the opportunity to raise her, to train her, and to teach her. But she belongs to me, and you need to know that. Hear this moment, okay? Because when we say a real relationship with God, the difference between doing, the de- doing devotions and going through the motion versus having an intimate relationship is all wrapped in this moment, Okay, because in this moment, as he's telling me the story and he says the phrase, and then God spoke something into me real quick, like then, here's what I'm expecting, okay? Here's here's what my my church history tells me. Oh, God's going to speak some type of like cliche phrase into him that's kind of comforty. But instead, he gets something else that goes beyond that. He gets a Job 38 moment where God affirms in him, she's mine and I'm in control. And it's just this beautiful moment, and that's what we're talking about. When we want to ask you, do you really know this God? And let me just tell you, Scripture tells you, okay, if you seek Him, you will find Him. And I know there's some of us in the room, like we've heard, heard every man a warrior and CHB and all that stuff. It's just a tool that God is currently using at this place to help us draw closer to Him. Because all it does is just point us to biblically what we need to be doing and the practices that we need to do. And there's this moment, and I sit there, and I was, I, was, I was going through this, and in my brain, okay, I'm sitting here going like, okay, you know, I've got to interview somebody about what, what's going on in their moment, and like, like if you remember, remember two weeks ago, we had this interview, and it was like, ended in this great place, but right now, this guy is sitting on stage, and we're not trying to manipulate an emotional situation. We're trying to clarify that we have an amazing God that you can know. Because he's sitting up here, and I'm, I'm blown away because I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, how are you holding it together right now? Because we didn't even know this week, because on, on the other side of things, his wife's grandmother is in hospice. And so we actually had a backup plan in case last minute, last night, or this morning, he wasn't going to be able to do this. But now, let me just tell you, watching how he has walked with God through this has been astounding. And we credit everything about that to our great, precious, heavenly Father. And so, Steve, I'm going to let you wrap up one time. Just let us know how, how, how your daughter's doing, how your grandchild's doing, and how everything, how, how, where are you at right now? Like, what's going on? Uh, Sarah's doing amazing. Um, unbelievable that if you, if you were to see her, you would really realize she didn't, or she had cancer, because without, uh, with just looking at it, you wouldn't know, but... Her hair's gone, and for her, that's a huge deal. So uh, she said last night, she said she was looking forward to getting her hair back. Uh, But she's doing amazing. God has been right there every step of the way. I can see his hand in everything that's happened. Uh, Roman Slate Canavai came into the world on January 10th, a little early, and uh, we're very grateful for that. He has a full head of hair, so he has more hair than my daughter does at this moment. Um, but the doctor said that's a really good sign because that meant that none of the chemo treatments she had had prior to his delivery had made it into the placenta, which would have affected his life. Um, 
Jenny's grandmother is in hospice, as Matt said earlier. Um, she w- would be 101 in March if she lives that long. She has um, just been amazing to our family and our life. She is a true woman of God and has been ready to go meet the Lord well over 10 years. She's, she just loves Him so much. She prays for us. Last night, I didn't tell, say this earlier, Matt, and I didn't tell you, but last night... Um, my son-in-law decided to bring Roman to hospice, which is the first time he's actually been out in public since he's been born. And um, <laughs> she was laying in the bed, and we laid Roman in her right in her left arm, and she had her arm like this. And when she felt him, her, her arm went and just cuddled him and sat there. And it, it was amazing to see. This woman who's really on her deathbed feel the presence of a newborn there and drew strength from that to be able to hold him while we could share that moment with each other. It, it was just amazing to see God at work. So I'm very grateful for what he's done in my life, what he's doing in our, our family right now to get us through this because if it wasn't for him, I promise you, I would not be sitting here today. Amen. Um, man, you can't change script on me. Um, Okay, (laughs) and we just we want to make sure you hear this clearly we serve an amazing God and you got to know him okay you have to personally know him you have to fall in love with him and it's not just for the heavy moments like he's experiencing now but man in the midst of this if somebody can get on stage and tell you how great a moment was last night and how great God is, you got to hear that because we truly want you to know this God. So, Steve, thank you for sharing with us. Um, we thank you so much. And, and Michael's going to come up from somewhere, and uh, here, here's, here's how we're going to do this. Uh, we want to finish by praying for you and your family, so you stay right there. And uh, I'm going to come set a hand on one shoulder, and Michael's going to set one on the other, and I'm just going to let him pray over you, your family, and everything God's doing. Guys, thank you for Steve. I thank you um, for not just the phone call several years ago, but I thank you for letting him pass by this place for years and making this his home, a place where uh, God, we get to see um, God, His family continue to grow. God, I also just want all of us in this room, and I know Steve would want us to, to do this. God, we want to praise You. None of this is about Steve. None of this is to give glory to him or his faith or his walk. But to say thank you, God, for preparing him for undergirding him, for strengthening him, for guiding him deeper into your word to prepare him for the days they've experienced. Thank you for his uh, willingness to share. God, I pray for Jenny and he and the rest of their family today as they continue to wait on your timing for his uh, grandmother-in-law, God, and that you would give them strength in these days ahead. 
We thank you for being a God who allows us opportunity to grow to become more like Jesus each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You guys, give him thanks this morning for doing that. So on my desktop, uh, Steve told me I could do this after the first service. Uh, On my desktop, I have a picture of Sarah. um, And I ran back to my office between services and and put it up um, so you guys could see this. This is Sarah. This is baby Roman. And uh, I have that on my desktop in a little folder with special pictures because that is a picture of a mama. That is a picture of a mama, right? That is a picture of a mom who has experienced what none of us would want to experience pregnant or not. Um, And she just continues to glorify the Lord and and lift up the name of Jesus through this. She and her husband are a part of another local church that he was a part of when they got married. And um, they're faithful to that congregation. And we're so thankful for that. Um, thankful for the little parts that we've been able to play in that, um, and just so thankful um, that we got a chance to, to continue to be a part of this. So continue to pray for them. Um, uh, this morning, as, as I was getting ready, and uh, I prepared my sermon in a short, medium, or long length, all right, because of the, the interview and the testimony going on this morning. And so I want to give you kind of the, the Reader's Digest, the short version of that. If you turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I want to walk you through those verses just for a couple minutes. And you may be wondering, why are we taking so much time the last few weeks uh, to highlight and say, man, we're going to give some folks just an opportunity to share their testimony and their story. Why, Why are we taking so much time to do that? Listen, I can stand up here week after week after week after week and tell you why you need to be a disciple. I can show you uh, what it is like biblically to be a disciple, but at times we just need to see some disciples, right? We just need to hear from some folks that are like us, that are going through things like us, that are going through struggles like us. And yes, you can hear my stories and they are all true, all right? Uh, But sometimes you need to hear a different voice. You need to hear what you're saying. I want to be a part of this body of believers that says, hey, we want to make disciples. We want to learn to become more like Jesus. That's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. That's what we want to be known for, not for uh, the name of the speaker or the name for the person leading worship. We want to know to be people who make disciples, and disciples are people who are learning to become more like Jesus. How many of you guys have a cell phone? How many of you guys have a cell phone? All right. Maybe I should ask it this way. How many of you are incredible, great people that we all admire that do not have a cell phone? Anybody? Anybody not have a cell phone? One, two, three. All the sixth graders and under are mad at me for asking that question. Their parents are mad at me for asking. Thanks for pointing it out. All right. There's the battle we're having every day, whether they should get a phone or not. All right. 99% of you in this room have a cell phone, which means at some point your cell phone provider and your phone have sent you a message at some point and it says, would you agree to this update? How many of you have ever read the entire agreement? Anybody? One. All right. We got, and she did it too. And she went boom. Like, yeah, that's me. All right. Two people out of 400 read the agreement, which meant we signed on to whatever they want from you, how they want to get it from you, and you did so willingly, and you clicked. Listen, as a body of believers, we're saying, 
The command for us biblically is to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that we've commanded. And listen, we don't want you, if you're, if you're new to rich work, we don't want you walking in here and not knowing what the agreement says. We don't want you walking in and going, well, I think I want to be a part of this. We want you to know what we're asking you on a daily basis and as a follower of Jesus in this congregation to be a part of. We don't want to hide that. We want you to know that our expectation of you is for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus, and our expectation from you is to make more people that look like Jesus. We don't want you just clicking and going, yeah, I think I want to be a part here. Great, let's move my membership, or I haven't been here. Awesome. We want you to know. And so we have spent this year walking through what are those habits, what are those characteristics of a follower of Jesus? And today, a lot of what you saw was active obedience was a follower of Jesus Christ who's been a follower of Jesus Christ the majority of his life, gone to church, different types of church, different backgrounds, and wakes up one morning and says, I'm stuck. And I need to be obedient to what God is pressing on my heart. I need to step into this growing relationship with Jesus Christ that we're referencing here. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Familiar verse to many of you, very briefly says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is acceptable and perfect. How many of us want to know what the will of God is? Wouldn't, don't you think Steve Slate would have liked to have known and got a, a calendar update on his phone that say, in the next three months, your daughter's going to share with you that she's expecting. And oh, by the way, eight weeks later, she's going to tell you that she has breast cancer. We'd like to know those moments up front, wouldn't we? You'd like to know today if your car is going to break down. You'd like to know if the job that you've been hoping for is going to pan out or not. But unfortunately, that's not how it works. But fortunately, God says, bigger than you knowing the little details of the day and maybe the big details of life, let me prepare you for whatever comes your way. And here's what he says. He says, I beg you, by God's grace, by his mercy, if you'll present this body spiritually, emotionally, physically, if you'll present this body as a living, active, growing relationship with Jesus, if you'll present this to God, and this will be your daily act of worship, then I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Don't be conformed. By this world, let your mind be renewed. So how do, I, how do I place myself in that act of obedience? How do I grow in that? Let our minds be transformed. And as our minds are transformed, this is mind-boggling for us. As our minds are being transformed, what is God doing? He is preparing us. He says that by testing, you may discern. How many of you have faced a spiritual test, an emotional test, a physical test in your life in the last two weeks? How many of you faced a test? 
I'm raising both hands and each finger, okay? Each one of those resembles a different test, all right? In the last 10 days, like eight of you raised your hand. A bunch of you are lying to the preacher today, all right? You are facing tests in your life. Now, listen to what Paul says, though. He says, listen, these aren't just to, to go through and to experience. No, he says what? They are, so you're being tested as you're being transformed of your mind so that then you can discern. Then you will be placed emotionally, spiritually, Exactly where God desires of you to plan and prepare and be ready for whatever he puts in front of you, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Sarah and Steve and their family's story doesn't sound to us as humans perfect, does it? But a God who loves them and a God who cares for them has placed them in a relationship with each other, has placed them in a relationship with him that has prepared them for this moment. I don't think there's a man in this room that doesn't want to leave a great legacy to your family. And I'm not talking about whether you leave them financially stable. Okay, Most of us gave up on that a long time ago, right? You want to leave a legacy for your family. You want people to look back and say, that's what they provided for my family. I'll I'll tell you, yes, you heard Steve's testimony. Incredible. You've heard the legacy that he wants to pass on. And I saw a glimpse of that legacy several months ago. My wife is getting texts from Sarah Slate, Cannavai, Steve's daughter. And she said, hey, today's the day. And uh, the conversation's not exactly like that, but what it came down to is it was, she was beginning to lose her hair, and she said, man, it's, I'm done. Like, I just need to be done with it. And guess who came over and helped shave her and his hair? Dad. That's a legacy. That's a moment where a dad is humbly saying, I love you, I care for you, I'll provide for you, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Because by the grace of God, he's let me be here for you right now in this moment. He is a disciple who's making a disciple who God has given him another disciple. Another young life for him to lead by example to a growing faith with Jesus. I know that there's two tables out there. I know some of you are going to stop. I know some of you aren't. But I know that you want to leave a legacy. And so I want to ask you, if you're, if you're not happy with where that legacy is right now, if you're not content with where that is right now, being a disciple who makes disciples, stop by and let some folks love on you. They're not going to pressure you. They're going to ask you. They're going to talk with you. They're going to explore what's going on in your life. They're going to follow up with you. Because we want to be a body of believers who are disciple makers. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. People who are learning to become more like Jesus.